and um, I hear the first officer call out. And then the first officer jumps on the radio and he screams, holy shit, the goat man. And I mean, it's just like everything went quiet. And my, I, I could hear the ringing in my ears and I could feel my heart race. And so I hit my life and I went flying up there. I'd been told by some old, older people, elders, that you grab them and you hold them and you, you, you don't own them, but you, you hold them there until daylight. If you can hold them or pull it in, pull them into the light, it uh, destroys anything they have, uh, any kind of power or anything that, or anything they were trying to do to you, it'll, it'll destroy them. This guy was like bouncing, like. You know, like how you, you see people kind of getting ready to jig? You know how they kind of bounce? Yeah, he was like that way. He was just kind of bouncing, and he was just kind of going back and forth and one foot to the other. And uh, and he just kind of turned sideways, and he turned back over to the other way, and and uh, he took off. Holy shit, he jumped in Wanda. This is Lodge Tales. I'm your host, Rod Williamson, and thanks again for joining us on another episode if you are Native American and you'd like to come on the show to share your strange and paranormal experiences, please consider emailing us at lodgetales at gmail.com. Well, thanks everybody again for joining us. Um, this week we have uh, Jenny and I, we, we talk a lot about Chamawa and Red Blanket and the area in Sweet Pine, all west of Star School there. Uh, we go over a lot of things with uh, ghost lights, you know, orbs, I guess you'd say, um, different spirits, different stories we've heard about the area. And uh, I had a patron who asked me once about Red Blanket Ridge and if we heard about it and if we knew anything about it. So this episode, I... I would like to, well, maybe in a way, dedicate it to that one patron. <laughs> um, I don't want to say any names or anything like that. I didn't get, get the permission. But uh, yeah, here, here you go. Here's one of our episodes about Red Blanket. And so we go into, um, there's a lot more that we go into with, with Chamawa too. But I mean, we barely cover the surface of all the stuff that goes on at Chamal, and we barely touch on the stuff that goes on with Red Blanket. There's so many more stories out there with both of these places. Um, if if anyone's out there and, you know, you'd like to get in contact with me about these stories that you have about the place, well, go ahead and email us, you know, and let us know. We could set something up and we can get you recorded and get you on the show. But yeah, I'd like to thank everybody, too, for supporting us um we're on youtube anywhere you get your podcasts we're out there and uh it's a small podcast but we're growing and uh you know it's a unique place it's just where us natives can come on and, and share our stories again you know we're a lot of times we're not comfortable sharing some of these stories especially if it's someone that's non-native or you don't you don't know that person even if they are native 
but um, I'm hoping to create a place where we can all share freely and we're comfortable doing it. And again, without you patrons and without you listeners that tune in whenever we drop the podcasts, well, we wouldn't really be doing much service to anyone if, if you guys weren't even listening. So I would just like to thank you all again, you know, for always being there, for always supporting. And we got the Facebook group of Lodge Tales too, and there's quite a few members in there that showed a support for us too. And um, thank, I'd like to thank all them, members of the group as well. And if you want to join the group and you want to talk about any of these stories that we got going or you know, you'd like to be on or you'd like to ask questions, just whatever it is, that's a place you could do it too. And it's a private group. So, you know, that that's a little more friendly for the person that wants to share, knowing that it's a private group. And uh, yeah, I hope you all join and, you know, keep listening to us and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Well, let's get into the stories with Jenny. Okay, so the next guest on Lodge Tales is actually my auntie, uh, Jenny Manyhides. Um, I'll just hand it right over to her and let her introduce herself and just walk us into her first story. Well, Jenny, here you go. Hi, good evening. Uh, my name is Jenny Manyhides. I come from Red Blanket, from my grandparents, Ophidufi and Boothaki. Uh, and my mother and my father rainy and sleepy <clears throat> but uh i'm happy and grateful to be invited onto the interview by my nephew rodney i told him you know listening to these stories that makes the person like me very eager to tell my own because there's a lot of experiences that i went through from my childhood and into my adulthood and now my grandmahood and so I want to get started with when I worked at Chamawa Indian School. I started working there in uh, 1994, and <clears throat> I I was a floater at nighttime. So I take everybody's day off, you know, that were night workers and stuff. And <clears throat> at times, you know, when I would be working. I could hear like you know different types of noises, and sometimes it felt like I was being watched. Different dorms that I worked in, I was feeling that, and I thought, man, maybe I'm just tired, you know. And then when I start getting like students, girls, and stuff that were coming and telling me, you know, there were things that they were hearing in their rooms, and they were seeing them. Uh, children's spirits and they would see dark spirits in those hallway corners and and I told them I said just go the other way when you see them you know don't follow those kids you know don't, they're just letting you know that they're you know that they're here or what and <clears throat> as I start working longer and longer there we would uh, have to check on the kids every 20 minutes so you go around through the dorm that you're working in and you count all the, the students who's there. Some of them, if they're on leave or AWOL, and then you call it in. So <clears throat> I was working in the uh, boys' dorm one night, dorm two, and it's a pretty big dorm. And 
and here's a supervisor named Jamie and his cousin Morella. We were walking around behind the dorms and stuff, and which I didn't know. And he called me on the radio. He said, when was the last time you went and did your account? And I said, I have 10 minutes more. And he said, well, go down there now. He said, to the bottom floor, start at the bottom floor. He said, at the second room, he said, those boys are still awake. He said, they're yelling off the window. <clears throat> they didn't help me in some other things, but he was telling me, okay. So I went down there, took my time, you know, went down there, checked the first room, come out, checked the next room. And that next room was the room that he was saying they were awake. But when I went, opened the door like that, it's like something, you know, kind of went by me and went through me or something. But at the time, I didn't pay attention to that. And I went and I flashed my flashlight on the two boys. And they looked like they were pretty much sleeping. They weren't pretending or what, because that's who you work there for a while. You can tell if they're just pretending or what. <clears throat> so I went back to the dorm, did my tongue, called it in, and I told him, no, they look like they're sleeping. And he said, all right, well, just keep an eye. He said, and I said, all right. I said, well, I'm going to take my break and go to the first dorm and get some coffee over there. He said, all right, go ahead. And so I went over there and I asked him, like, other workers there, if uh, the guy that worked there, <clears throat> if he ever heard noise that it was in the intercom, because I was hearing noise once in a while that would come in the intercom, and so it sounded like the dryer was going, but I went down there and checked, and there was nothing going, there was nothing, no noise. So I went back, and I started doing my paperwork, and I heard noise in the intercom again like that. So I thought, why didn't go around? One of the students was probably awake. So I went around. None of them were awake. <clears throat> and I told him, I, kept, I keep on hearing that. So, you know, I can't find it wherever it comes from. He started laughing at me. <laughs> he said, well, he said, you must be new. And I said, I said well, I've been here for a couple of months or so now. And I said, and then those guys are telling me to go down to that second room that their kids those boys were yelling off the window. He said, who? I said, the supervisor, Jamie. I said, no. he said, they're in the back of the dorms and they had me run, go down there first, you know. But those boys were sleeping there, so I don't know. He started laughing again. He said, well, they must be new here too. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, that's where... Those boys that, you know, died of a monocot and what they were dying or something and they were yelling out those windows to help for help. So, oh, okay. <clears throat> so I start kinda you know, thinking, well, geez, you know and me, myself, you know, I can't be scared, you know, geez. It's hard for me to to be scared, you know, at times but so that was the first uh, experience I had with working in that door. And then we had a, um, well, the dorm six. I was getting ready to 
get off my shift at 11 o'clock. And I went around, did my count, and I start cleaning up the office like that. And I was sitting there writing on that log a few things that took place in the daytime. <clears throat> so I hear some, somebody coming down the stairs, because the stairs were right next to that office. So I thought one of the girls were coming down the stairs or something. And I kind of sat there and waited for someone to come around the corner, but they didn't come around. And I thought, huh, that, that's kind of strange. So I continued to do what I was doing, and then I heard it again. And I really got a strange feeling, you know, when I heard it again, but I just left it alone. I didn't try to go sick or anything. <clears throat> I just tried to hurry up and get going now. But there's another time, the one that really was, um, for me, was really, a, I don't know how I'd explain it, because it was in dorm nine. And that was the big dorm, that was the girls' dorm. And I'd be doing my my uh, work, you know, making envelopes to send certain letters home to the parents, reading the law, writing down things, writing letters to the parents, and you know, all that work that you have to do in the nighttime while you're watching over the students. Uh, do my work. In that dorm, there's a big window that's just inside it. So that's your office window, so you can see the front door. You can see the hallway and the direction towards the living room and down the stairs right there. <clears throat> so I assume my work. I keep on like seeing like something go by really fast, you know. And... I kept on, you know, just doing my work, and I'd see it again. And so I ignored it. You know, I, I didn't try to get up and go try to see her, nothing. But it was. But it just kept passing um, through? Yeah, you know, you could see it like, like something go by really fast. And... You know, and I already knew, you know, from different, you know, experiences and those other darn films. <laughs> so I'm really sitting there trying to ignore all of it, you know. And all of a sudden, I could feel my back really, you know, feeling heavy. Start getting really heavy, really heavy. That's what they call it, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like somebody standing behind me. Hmm? So I'm, I'm just ignoring it like that. And then I sat back in that office chair. And I leaned back and sat back in my office chair. Because I could feel how sick my back was. So I'm sitting there with my mind. You know, I start talking with my mind. You know, I know you're standing behind me. And I'm not afraid of you. But this is my job to watch over these children if you need to leave us alone. <clears throat> so I sat up like that to start doing my work. Here's our officer that, you know, have, have those uh, things that you have to turn on to make it go up and down. Yeah. 
the, well, that whole officer, that thing fell on the floor. Okay. And, you know, with my mind, I said, all right, if that's what you want it, I'll leave it there. I said, but you got to go. So I get up like that, and I go through the kitchen, and I get a cup of water. And I went all the way down to that bottom door right there, and I start offering that water to whatever it is. Problem, you know, that water like that, and I left it there. <clears throat> After a while, you couldn't feel that that darkness feeling in that that dorm. So they start asking you. Know, After a while, who keeps leaving water by that these doors, you know? And I told them, well, that that's me, mm -hmm. because you guys know that you know your students are seeing little children spirits and dark spirits in these dorms, I said, because of uh, what happened that night, I said, when we were all standing there by that pod, that basketball court thing, there was like maybe seven of us, including our our supervisor, and we're all talking and everything before we we're going to go to their dorm, and a lady that was in dorm eight that the home living assistant woman heard she called on the radio and was telling her supervisor you know that there's some kids you know that she hears walking she kids walking behind her door so he asked her what direction are they going she, and she told him he said, well you should catch them right here because you know if they come around the corner they're all standing out here <clears throat> so he got off the radio with her so we're all standing there just quiet, you know, waiting for him to come around the corner. And nobody came around the corner, you know, and so he ended up calling her back. He asked her, well, what direction were they going? Are you sure? And she said, yes. She said, they're, she's still, they're still out there. She can hear them. So we're standing there, and still nobody came around the corner. You know? So he told us to go to her dorm, go ahead, come and what. But they're going to go take a walk around the back and see where, if they can find them. So we all went, did our account, called it in, and everyone was accounted for. We never found those kids that the lady was talking about. Hmm. So a lot of them that don't work at nighttime don't know who was on at nighttime. But there was a lot of kid spirits in those dorms. And a lot of dark ones, too. I would ask this old guy, his name was Benoist, that would do sweats up there by the tower. Mm -hmm. At times I would ask, you know, I tell him about, you know, what's going on in those dorms and what, what's uh, trying to bother with them and bother me and other workers and stuff at nighttime. And <clears throat> so he would go and he would smudge him and stuff, you know? Great. And I told him, I said, I don't know. I said, you know, it keeps on going, you know, happening. He said, well, you know, I could clean them and clean them. He said, but it's those kids are bringing them back, you know. And at times we would have to search for, like, if any of the kids are messing with those boards, you know. Mm -hmm. We'd have to cut locks at times, depending on how they're, they're dressing, if they're I don't know how they dress and stuff, you know. <laughs> but you can kind of tell after you work there, 
you get you know involved with each student and what you can tell what they end up involved in too, you know. Yeah. Talk, you know. But there's a lot of other things that happen in each dorm when I worked in them. Yeah. We had one on the one time it was in dorm five. And I went around and I did a head count. And I, those two girls that were in the office, they just barely, you know, I told them you have to go back to your room. So I need to call in and do my calling. So they went down to the room and downstairs was the living room. Then there were two, two or three rooms to the right. And then the same side, the other side was the room. <clears throat> so I finished up there and everything, and I went down there. I went to those girls' room that just barely left the office, and I just opened that door, you know, and I heard them in there talking, and I closed it, so I knew they were there. And then I checked the other one. I went back upstairs to the top floor to come back down, and I did my calling. So I'm sitting there, but maybe 10 minutes later or so, and those girls come running up the stairs, coming, say, many hides, many hides, many hides. Everybody calls me many hides, I think. That's my last name. I go, what's going on? Because they come running in the office. And they go, did you just come downstairs? And I go, yeah, why? And they go, because we were laying there, and we were talking, and we heard that door open, and it closed. And then she said that, uh, that bottom girl, she said that she was sitting there, she had her eyes closed like that, and the one on top, she was laying up there, they were talking. And she said she felt like somebody sat on her bed. And she thought it was me. He said, because he always would visit and stuff, and she would thought it was me, and then she was waiting for me to start talking. So then as she opened her eyes, and nobody was there, and she got freaked out, you know, and that's why they ran up to her. <clears throat> so I told my you know, don't be scared, I think, you know, because you know, there's things that bother you. Know, I had to talk them into going back down to their room because they couldn't stay in the office. Mm-hmm. So at times, you know, that's why I would tell that old guy, you know, with certain ones, you know, to have them, have them brave, watch over them, you know, because they get bothered. Even myself, I get bothered at home, you know. So I would have to, you know, get, I'd always plunge <laughs> before I'd go to work and after I'd get off of work, you know, nothing would follow me, you know, because I had to share history with a lot of them about that area, what happened there, about the cemetery that they call the Blanket of Death right there. There's 200 plus uh, graves right there. Okay. Um, um, no, you know, no names or what. You know? So a lot of that, you know. But now I don't know if they still get bothered today because they... they got rid of all those dorms and they built one big building kind of behind the gym 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to hear because you know that land is old. There's a lot of history there, and really, like I've been in brand new builds doing flooring, and I've been I got bothered in a brand new house, you know, multiple times, separate places. <laughs> I think it's the land. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if we should want to talk about red blankets. Well, before we move on, I got a few questions. Um, Going back to dorm two, when you were, uh, when you walked in that room, you said there was like a breeze that went through you. Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards, you know, I was thinking about everything after what that guy told me, uh, in dorm one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I started thinking about it because every time I go, you know, open those doors, nothing ever felt like a breeze went through me or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stood out to me. Just that one time I did that. That happened. Mm. It must have just went out as you went in or or something. (laughs) I I wanted to tell everybody about those intercoms in Chamala. So Mm -hmm. the old dorms, those intercoms, you could turn them on to lessen like all night. And um, there used to be this old function. I don't know if it worked anymore, but you could push it and you could talk to the matron too from your room and I, I don't remember if that worked anymore but the there was other matrons that would hear all kinds of stuff on his intercoms because they'd leave them on all night and they'd sit in there and they'd be able to hear things like just all over in there they couldn't explain you know doors opening it sounded like somebody going and checking rooms for them stuff like that it didn't yeah. um the other thing i wanted to bring up was that that holy man that you're talking about up there we used to sweat with him all the time yeah. Yeah, and he he actually doctored me once. I I was hurt, and he doctored me. That's kind of a personal story, but this man is the real deal. And um, he told me one time. He said, just exactly what you're saying. He said, you know, when the kids leave here, he says I go through and I I clean out all these dorms every year at the end of the year. And in the past few years, he said there's something that one of these kids bring back. And I don't know where it comes from. It might be Alaska or it might be South. He wasn't sure. But dorm three is a treatment aftercare dorm. The kids actually get caught drinking, get sent treatment, and then they're in an aftercare dorm. You got to move there. You got to live in there. They have AA meetings and everything like that. Well, one night Travis was just walking around. He said he used to walk around Friday nights. You know, Saturday nights with the kids. He always had kids that were following him around. And he'd walk. He's always laughing and teasing. He's really a fun guy. As he was going into dorm three, he was by himself, and he start walking toward it. And geez, he said it was just like a barrier hit him. He couldn't really do anything. He just stopped, and he looked at that dorm really funny, like huh. And so he lit up his smudge. He carried smudge with him all the time. He lit some up. As soon as he lit that braid of sweet grass, he said it was just like a portal opened for him. He could walk right in that dorm. He said he went in there and he just started smudging it. He didn't even ask any questions or, or permission. He just started cleaning it out. Now, one more thing I want to touch on before we move. I mean, I got a ton of stories about this place of my own. But that old school that you're talking about, uh, way over there by the tracks... And those those graves, I mean, that you're talking about right there, there was an old school next to I don't think it's still there. I, I don't know. We used to go over there and mess around in it just to explore. We went through the bottom floor, like the basement so far. You have to go through that to get up to this middle floor. Well, the I guess it would be the main floor. 
upstairs there's some stuff too, but I don't remember too much about it. I remember going into that middle floor. There's like a main door that's barriered. You can't get in. You have to go through that basement broke up part. And then I remember walking in there and would be to the north, northwest corner of that building. There were desks and everything just piled in front of these double doors. Daniel Blevins and I, we we went, no, was it Norman? I don't remember who it was. One of my friends and I, we knocked all of that stuff out and we were able to squeeze our way into that room. And when we did, Jenny, there was, um, who, that whole room was cleaned. It was cleaned out. And there was this pentagram, a star with a circle around it. Each corners of it had something there. I don't remember what it was, but what I remember is in the center of it, there was a bowl and that blood that was in it is all black and cracked and dry. And I mean, we closed that. I looked and I closed that darn place and we, I told the Browning boys because we were always exploring. I told the Browning boys, hey, don't go in there. There's something bad in there. We 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 seen it and we closed that door and we, we never did go back into that room. I never had the nerve to even bring anybody over to show them. I just to forget about it. But yeah. So Red yeah. Blanket Ridge. Red Blanket red blanket I don't know if people really understand or really truly know the history of that area but being raised in that area as children is when those old ones were still you know hauling water hunting up their land or their you know, things like that. They had no running water. They were still just kind of living, you know, the old days, the old ways still. So we were raised out there, being raised and stuff out there. It's like nature, animals, everything would never bother with us. You know, we, like, with our playground. Mm -hmm. Also, we were apart during those times when our grandparents were the bundle pieces and what and going to having the ceremonies right there and going down to White Cast the ceremonies there as children. And we kinda you know where you kinda feel protected, you know, you're not afraid. And things won't bother you with you, but you'll understand, you know, what spirits are and why and what ones are good and bad. And I start to learn that at the time when they would have the ceremonies, I remember as a child, my grandparents would go to White House. <clears throat> my grandma would tell me to grab my pillow and blanket. I knew we were going to be there all night. Mm -hmm. But those old ones, when they would do a ceremony, I tell people that they were explaining the world of all an animal for it. So, a lot of, I remember a lot of different animals with the tundra. And so, what happens out there, that area really is, people say it's, it's spooky out there. A lot of people get spooked out there. 
and it's like <laughs> I kind of laugh about it, you know, in a way. It's like Dude, they don't even understand um, what this area really is. <clears throat> but for me, it's like, gee, I'm just happy to be there. I go home, go go after, because I can remember my childhood there. Hmm? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of people would, you know, share stories with me, like different things that would happen to them out there. Well, there was a time when they had the those two uh, laggards, they were fixing that road out there from Star School, just right outside of Star School, all the way up almost to the bridge. And they had laggards right there. Well, <clears throat> that one stop was right there by Star School, and he said, How far are you going up? I said, Too many houses. <clears throat> he said, Where are too many houses? Huh? He goes, oh, he said, all right, like that. And and I go, how far up are they, they fixing the cell now? He said, all the way to uh, the bridge. He said, oh, okay. I said, well, all right, well, we'll wait. I rolled the window back up. <clears throat> and then he comes and knocks on it after a little bit. And he, he said, all right, you can get going here in a few more minutes. He said, are you going up to many houses? I said, yeah. He goes, are you a man high? I said, yeah. yeah, I'm a man high. He said, man, I'm really, I'm happy I'm not you know, up there, you know, where the other guys are. And I go, well, where is he at? He said, he's right there. He said, just around that corner. You know, he's talking about many high. So, oh, okay. I said, well, why is that? And he said, because, he said, they, they keep on seeing that old house over there, that red house that has lights, that lights around and like people. See people walking around over there at times. <laughs> you know, and I kind of think, what else? Is that all they see up there? And he said, no, they, once in a while, they'll see like orbs, you know, just bouncing or something. Hmm? Different areas, they'll see shit, you know. Oh, man. <clears throat> you know, and I said, well, I don't know. I said, well, I don't know why, why they're afraid. I said, you know, Actually, I said that old house don't even have wiring. So how could they see light, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. We've went, I went by there with my wife, and, and one night we seen the lights on in there. Another time yeah. we went by it, to me that orb looked like a, uh, imagine like a TV that's on the, the fuzzy screen, but just uh. a circle. You know, and it was in that house. I couldn't see it anywhere else outside of it, but I could see in that house. That's what moved in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have no wiring because my aunt, my aunt Madeline, and Jim Buffalo, when they were staying, and as as children, you know, it's just it's just one big demo that house, and it's just two rooms, mm. and a wood stove in there. That's all. No electricity, nothing. That's why they had to use those kerosene lamps. Oh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it didn't have no water, no running water, nothing. And then the, that house now, where my grandson ground, that's that house built. And that one has running water, but you can't drink it because it's too much mineral. Mm. But then <clears throat> you look at that old cabin that fell down there. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the red house is that that's my grandma Sagaki, her old cabin. Sagaki was my grandfather. 
Who's that? Who's that? Huh? That's who who owned that house out there, huh? I wondered that. Yeah, that that's their old old cabin. And then many heights is you know, my grandpa great grandpa what that's her husband. So the whole history of that area his altar's still up there on Red Blanket. That's where he would go and sweat or not do his uh fasting and everything up there. So <clears throat> that whole area what it really is, that whole it's history. That whole area. Yeah. And what it is is uh where people when they would come out of the mountains they said that was one of their original campsites. Oh, right below Red Blanket? Right there, right through. Yeah, right through there. So, <clears throat> if you ever looked on the global map, mm-hmm. when you zoom into it, it says many high hunting grounds, many high hunting sites. Oh. And, and the many high name, how it was how it becomes is because he was a good hunter, he was, you know, and when they would go back into the mountains, he'd pick all the best hunters in the back camp, go with him back in the mountains to get bring food, you know, to feed the camp while the other ones are also facing the bus. So you think of how many families that we don't even know came out to that way back in those days. Uh, that counts. Yeah. A lot of history right there. So, in out there, why it's like that, why they see things like that, is because it's still there. That camp is still there. Seriously, it's still there. It's a passage. For not just us, but animals, everything. <clears throat> the, that lady uh, that that lives out there. I don't know if I can say her name or not, but anyhow, she shared with me about that guy that made that KLA camp out there. And she was talking to me about it. And she said, every since that they come in and they tore down a whole bunch of trees and stuff there, you know, to make that camp. Mm-hmm. She said, now we're here. She goes, we're hearing my uh, woman crying on with really crying, really hard. Crying. And I go, well, you know the difference between all that you know, mountain lion and all that. And stuff. But yeah, it's not that is it's a woman crying. So she told her son to go out there and walk around in those trees out there by the water that we can just see, you know, maybe a woman got hurt or something else going on. He said, and he went and looked and he couldn't find nobody. He said, oh, we keep hearing her crying. I said, well, they, what did they do? They, and she said, well, they knocked down a whole bunch of trees and whatever. And yeah, they just threw something there. You know? Because that's a sacred area. All of it. You know? And it hurts you know, a lot of people to see you know, how it looks when you go into sleep time. You know? Because that's where it came out. You know? How it looks. You know? 
So a lot of a lot of history. A lot of people tell me stories about how they get bothered out there. How one guy said he was sitting there really, him and his friends were really drinking away and kind of parked down there in that area and then happened to look in his mirror like that and he seemed like like one of our people, you know, really dressed like in the old what days, you know, mm-hmm. kind of peeking around like that watching or listening to him but he's seen him in that mirror like that he said he got scared and they he started up his car and took off and I told you in that area I you know there's a lot of people that say they experience things out there hmm? <clears throat> but for me I think you know, I don't know maybe they're trying to tell us something at times you know yeah that's what it feels like. And they're trying to show themselves to us or, or what. Well, what? What I know about Red Blanket is this, and I've just heard stuff. Okay, I've only ever camped up there once at the base of it. They had a BCC encampment when I was a little kid. They taught, we. I remember they brought a bunch of obsidian and they taught us how to make axes and knives and we cut up buffalo. Like the old way, those old people were showing that night, they would tell stories in these lodges and... Yeah, me and my friend Don Bird were out there. We had a lot of fun out there. I think Mark Gardapi was out there. God rest his soul. But yeah, and anyways, that's the first time I ever heard any stories about that ridge. Um, we were in that lodge and they were all talking and they're saying, yeah, that right up there, there's a there's a man named Red Blanket that was buried up there. And uh, if you go up there and you try to you know fast or sleep up there in a certain spot. He'll test you, and he'll test you hard. He'll throw fireballs at you. He'll roll rocks at you. He'll roll you off of there. You know, those people going up there to fast, he'll test you. And those are the stories I heard about that when I was a kid. And later on, my, my friend told me more story. He told me he added the fireball thing and how they throw rocks at you. or He'd even make wind come at you, you know, really hard wind. And I guess it's just a certain spot you try to fast, and that's where he'll test you at. But um, aside from that, when you go west of Red Blanket back into Sweet Pine, cross that bridge and up, back in there somewhere, Wilbert Fish told me that his grandpa showed him exactly where that portal was it's caved in. The entrance to the cave that Noppy hid the buffalo in is back there. <laughs> and uh, so it does have an old old history and then where um many hides uh cemeteries over that ridge all those beaver dams on that other side nothing but uh uh what do you nowhere people um wait what am i saying sasquatch bigfoot you know we call them nowhere people um uh hairy man um don't know where they come from you know all those different names from but they're over that in that area there's a story i heard about a non-native was married into the tribe and they took him out. All the in-laws took him out to fish those beaver dams. They were warned. There's something in there. So you guys be careful when you go back there. And um, he warned that, that guy. He was a Mexican guy. And he warned him. He says, all right, when uh, if you start feeling anything weird or just whatever, make your way back to that truck. But stick to those clearings. Don't go in a brush. Run through the clearings. Follow the clearings all the way back up here. And sure enough, 
there was one of those big hairy men back there. Uh, him and his brother walked right by it. He stopped and he waited. His brother wasn't there yet. He thought he had passed a tree. No, it was that big man standing there looking at him. But he was by a tree. Anyways, he sat down and he waited because his brother was coming. And as soon as his brother got by him, you know, he's kind of a smarty guy. He said, did you know what you just walked by? And he was kind of like giggling. Uh-uh, what? Look. Then he seen him. He peeked again at him around that tree and he walked right by that guy and didn't even see him. Anyways, they start making their way up those clearings up. Just then they heard that other guy, the Mexican, beating feet up there. He says, I don't know what happened down there. I was stat. I thought you guys were bothering me, throwing rocks at me. He said, but I just remember you said if you get a weird feeling, just stick to the clearings and run. He says, here I am. I could ran back up. But they all left. He was down there. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Red Blanket, that, that's my grandfather. Okay? Mm. That's why, you know, yeah, he knows if you're, you know, if you're there, you know, doing good or bad, you know, out of there. But a lot of stories about him chasing people off of there. You know, shake their tents at times, you know, and they'll, they'll spook them out of them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good stories that our family has about out there. Hmm? Yeah, there's a lot of, I hear more and more Bigfoot stories about that place. You know, there's yeah. a lot. I've been hearing from out there. Trees planted upside down, giant trees too. Mm-hmm. My sister... She looked out that window one day that uh, that by the sink and looked through that door right behind that house. She was getting water like that. She looked out the window and she seen one sitting on her her uh, sled up on top of that hill. But only thing it was on bottom of one, a white one. So. Out there, like, you know, like that lady was telling me, she said, out there, there's all types of things out there that people have experiences and stuff, like even the Bigfoot, the little people, UFOs, everything. Hmm. Yeah. One more story yeah. I heard about that place was um a guy went to um, Sweet Pine on that road, that dirt road back to that campground, and he, he parked right there by the, the highway and where it starts back there and he ran he was in track and so he ran and uh it was about a 12 mile run six miles back six miles and he'd do it quite often one day he was coming back and it was kind of getting evening he was on his his six miles back and um he seen this well black feet straight up war bonnet white buckskin you know all of it he was standing there on that road, I guess, if I remember the story right. And uh, he come up to him, and he just stood there looking at him. And that man was looking at him, and he said, uh, that man told this guy, he said, um, you know, I see you back here all the time, and I see you always running. He says, I watch you, and I see you. He says, and uh, I like what I see I like how I see you trying hard like that and he said you'll be back up here you'll be back 
And this guy, I don't want to mention his name, but he just ran back out, you know, just continued on his way. He wasn't spooked. He wasn't, you know, it was just normal. Sometimes you get around them, it's just like normal. You, you don't feel no way other times, you know. It's it's so strange. Yeah. One time we were visiting out our school with this elderly woman. She was telling us stories. Sharing stories with us about our dad and different you know, stories. And when we got ready, we were heading to town. I was the passenger, and my sister was driving. Her husband was in the back with my niece and nephew. And so we started crossing that bridge, you know, and I started thinking about how it used to look, you know, before. Mm-hmm. Way back then, I had that road and everything. Yeah, it really looked like I remember how it used to look. <clears throat> Just as we were you know, heading up the hill, I'm looking and I see a, one of our old, or one of our old people, you know, standing there. And he's standing there and he had his wrap with a robe, like a buffalo robe, like standing there looking at that road and watching us or something. He went by. It's like I was supposed to see him, you know? Hmm. <laughs> and I told my sister, I said, oh, there's somebody standing down here, you know, wrapped in the room. with you see them? You know, and, and nobody said anything. <laughs> and, you know, because of course you don't see, you know, because he's driving. You know? And Alden, I don't know what he was doing. So anyway, it stayed in my mind, like, I know I've seen somebody down there, you know. So we kept on going. We got to town, to house. Sitting there, you know, trying to, you know, process if that's, I really seen that, you know? So my sister-in-law must have seen that, you know, something was bothering me because she goes, what's the matter? And it's like something bothering you. And I go, see, how did you know? And she said, looking at you. So I start telling her what I've seen. <clears throat> he goes, no, I, he goes, I believe you. And I go, oh, all right. I said, that's good to know. He goes, well, the reason why, he said, her and my brother was driving one day up there by Taiwa. He's going to get into that straight part and see all those trees. And there was snow on the, on the tree line on the ground, but the roads were pretty clear. And they were just riding. The Sunday ride like that, and she was looking out the window like I was, you know. And the tongue of those trees like that, and then she seen a family walking. There's a man, a woman, and two two children. There's you know, trees walking towards the road like that. So she yelled at my brother, stop, stop, like that. And he <laughs> looked at her for what, you know, what the hell's going on? Said, turn around. She said, there's some people walking back there. You can't let them walk. They have two kids with them. So they turn around. They go back. Don't see nobody. Turn back around. Went really slow like that. She was looking in that tree line where she's seen them. There in that snow, there was no footprints on them. Mm-hmm. And she said, what she's seen was. It's like a husband and a wife and two children, but they were wrapped in old blankets walking. So she said, she said, huh? <clears throat> and I go, 
why are they showing themselves? You know, she's you know, a type seeker herself. And she said, well, the more she shakes, she said, that waking them up. You know? mm-hmm. And I always stayed in my mind, you know, it, well, it makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. Mm hmm. So even that dirt road, that me, what kept me in reality of, of the young girl, young child, is like, I would always um, look at the stars. And I'd always watch the Big Dipper. I'd watch the Big Dipper, you know, turn all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of kept me in reality. I, I feel that time, you know, that you know that we're, we sit in the universe. So, <clears throat> um, we went out to D- D- Durham Road. We had two cars, me myself, a friend from Canada. My brother, my other kids, they were in the other car. So let's go stargazing. So we went out. As soon as you get off the road and start going up that, that first little hill, on the side there, there was a the old house, barn looking thing. That's where we parked at. <clears throat> so we're, we got off the car, some of us, and we're standing there really talking with them. Waiting for it to get dark, you know. And here we were standing there, and uh, here all of a sudden we just heard like a like a bunch of horses come rushing at us like that, mm-hmm. and like you could feel like it. We got surrounded, okay. But here you hear, you know, like or like a, would be back then that war cry or something, you know, mm-hmm. weird. And all I heard was, who are you guys like that, you know? And everybody felt it, you know, when that happened. And my friend got scared like that. He said, come on, let's go like that. So we get in the cars and we start heading back to town. We almost get to the, by the casino, the smoke shop place. We had to pull over right there. <clears throat> I pulled over right there and we were sitting there, we were talking, you know. And he was asking me, he said, what did you hear, you know. So I told him what I heard and what I felt, you know. He said, well, what do you think? He said, do, should we go back or what? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed to be afraid. But so, so we went back, you know, we drove all the way up. He said, let's go see if, you know, anybody's outside or what, these houses. You know, they had made that noise like that. Yeah. So we kept driving, driving, watching. There was nobody outside. There was a bunch of people. There was no horses. You know? So we went back down there. And then he prayed, you know. Prayed right there, you know. But I told him, I said, you know, <clears throat> that's the thing. I said, you know, a lot of these people you know, have experiences right here, you know. For me, it's like those old old ones are you know, they, they let us know that they're still here you know? mm-hmm. helping us watching over at that time that's what it feels like you know? our area it's you know people can tell all types of stories about that area but there's also really uh inspiring stories too that we can get from that area too 
Okay, so we had to break this interview with Jenny up into two parts. The second part's going to be on Patreon for members only. And uh, you can join on anywhere. Uh, I have a link um, in the show notes that will direct you right to the Patreon site. And, um, you know, you donate once and, you know, don't matter what it is, whatever, five bucks. You can listen to one of the episodes there. I mean that month donate once for one month you can catch up on all the episodes it doesn't matter you know how, how you want to go about it, it could be a one-time donation it could be a monthly thing that you subscribe to whatever it is but again thank you for being uh willing to join and listen to us and and show your support we really appreciate it um next week we're gonna have i mean in the next couple weeks i drop episodes every two weeks we're gonna have Taryn Williamson, and uh, man, her stories are just crazy. They're so good. <laughs> they left me dumbfounded, to say the least, after I got done recording just the first part. She's going to have a two-part series, too. And um, this episode that we just recorded with Jenny is actually the first one that we cover a lot of Chamawa. I would like to do more with Chamawa. And so if there's any other people out there that have stories about Chamawa, it don't have to be, you know, if you have one story, I'd be happy to record it and share it. You know, we could gather a whole bunch up and we can just run one episode of just people telling one story a piece. You know, how many of your stories you have, we can just gather those up. It don't have to be an hour long, these big long interviews. <laughs> so however you want to go about it, I'd appreciate it if you guys have any stories about Chamawa, just to come on and and let us hear them you know that that place is really old there's a lot of history there there's uh so many different matrons that have worked there so many students that have gone there graduated um and this goes back to the to the old days of the um you know the indian boarding schools where they would gather all the kids up from their parents and all that it, it it's old there's a lot that goes on there, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd really appreciate it if more people would get on and, and contact us with their stories about Chamawa. And um, you know, this this podcast it keeps going. There's more people that want to join. There's, uh, I mean, more people that want to do interviews. I'm gonna be doing more once I get. I want to do a big interview with a bunch of people where we're all telling ghost stories eventually you know when i can travel i'll go ahead and get all those together too so there's a lot in store for us down the road and i'm just happy that everybody wants to to be on here and and uh well contribute to this you know our grandkids kids geez distant relatives for the people that live off the res I know it, it really feels good to hear these stories about places they understand and they know of. And to all y'all, I'm thankful that you, you tune in and you listen to us. We, we try to cover as much stuff as we can about different places on the res and different stories. There's a lot of uh, spooky things that happen on that reservation. There's a lot of inspirational things that happen on that reservation. There's all kinds of stories. Um, we even have stories, you know, 
people that have gone off to combat in the world wars that have been blessed in certain ways. We haven't covered a lot of those or any, I mean, I'm just saying that the world of these stories on our res, that whole world of them is, is vast. There's many things that we can talk about there. And I'm happy that everybody's, you know, here with us. I can't say that enough. Um, I would like to start covering more things about uh, different natives out there. Like, so, say you had a grandfather that knew different sorts of medicine. We don't need to know what those particulars are. Of course, you're not going to share the songs, how they go about doing them, all the rites. You know, that's not what I'm getting at. But there's so many stories of you hear of all these people that, you know, from the past, even to this present day, that have, uh, well, they've witnessed healings, different sorts of doctoring, um, just things that go on in different ceremonies. Those stories are really good. You know, and we can talk about a few of those. There's there's a lot of stuff we can't share now. You know, we, we can't share a lot of these things, especially when they're really personal or, or you know, they're, some of them are stories that are only exclusive to the members of certain societies. Even I don't get to get those, you know, and I wouldn't want them because I'm not a member of that society. So there's a clear line drawn to where we can and we can't tread with a lot of this stuff. So, um, again, thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. I appreciate it all. Until next time, see you. Kitakita Matsin.